Buddy, and welcome to this niche podcast about the one thing that knows something about game shows, I suppose. I am your host, Jordan Haas. We got some parental supervision today as Denise and Kurt from Parents Just Don't Understand will stop by to talk about Funhouse. But before we get to that, some personal news. So, um... Uh, last week we had the Inside Jerks on, and it was a great episode. I like those guys a lot, and uh, a lot of people know that this was a, a tryout for the Buzzcast Network. Uh, Buzzcast is a, a, a podcast network featuring some of uh, my favorite podcasts uh, that exist. We got your Uncle to Uncle with Howard and and Franklin. You had uh, the Dune Boys. You have Inside Jerks. You have the Sleeves podcast, uh, the Bobby Hoar Picture Show, as it's called, Jack AM to FM, and even Struggle Session now. And I, I thought that by like submitting this podcast to the Buzzcast Network, it would finally legitimize this podcast. It took me a, a whole year. It's almost been one year since I made this podcast. And uh, I, I, I've, I keep explaining. I keep like I feel like I'm being a dead horse at this point. I like I the podcast, the ride, and the Doughboys, and and because of them, it gave me the courage to make this podcast, and I enjoy it. I I think there is need for sharing what you enjoy, even if there it's a very very tight niche. I don't. I mean, there is a few game show podcasts that the Earwolf now has a game show podcast, but it's like, to me, this feels like something I've always wanted to do, but never really could figure out how, and it's always this animosity of getting guests and scheduling, and I had the contract. I had a contract. I feel like this is like the wall or deal or no deal. I have a con- I had a contract from Buzzcast on Monday. Uh, they it people would know I I I, I had like a decision to make. They would get com- the basically I get to be on their network. I get creative control unless the viewership goes down a certain limit. They get a producer, they get an editor, and they even give me guests. So I don't really have to do anything except for just show up. And uh, basically be the funny, wacky guy who talks about game shows. Uh, there was It was monetized it, and everything. And I sent them an email last night, Tuesday, uh, basically 
refusing the offer. Um, it, it's it's tough, I know. Uh, and there was a lot of things that went through in my mind. For starters, creative control. And for others, it just, I don't know if it fit, fits with Buzzcast. I I love them a lot. Uh, the the Bugmain LLC, uh, which owns Buzzcast Networks, did, did a great job, uh, and and it felt like I finally got included. Yeah, there's a Bazizio store, and you can go to bazizio.store.com and use your chin at checkout and get ten percent off your order. But like, I don't know. It's it's tough to. F- I think it's it it's tough. Like. Maybe it's, I'm not going to go with like imposter syndrome, if that makes sense. It's not like I don't deserve to be part of the podcast network, but I think that there's some sort of false sense if I do. Because when I think Bugmane, I think this fictional character from Doughboys. And as much as I love the Bazzizio friends and anyone who's part of the quote-unquote bug cult, as it were, uh, I don't know if that's really where I belong, ultimately. I I made a few friends there. I, I can't thank them enough. But I think if I continued this path, I would just be playing an improv character. I'd, I'd be basically losing the one bit of me that I kind of enjoy, which is just being honest. If you wanted bits, you would be tuning into Funtime Calls, which is available on twitch.tv slash funtimecalls, and you can listen in at anchor.fm slash funtimecalls. That game shows, I suppose, is not that. I don't want it to be that. Well, yeah, there is like silly bits, and then there's campaigns, but none of these campaigns are really bits. They're not jokes. It's kind of actually where my passions lie that like to me I feel like if I continued that path I would not be myself I would not be honest an honest toss hashtag honest toss and it it feels like it it feels like I'm regretting making that decision uh by rejecting them uh they mean well uh I didn't get any notice back if any of them will return back to the podcast. I don't want any animosity towards anybody. But it's just, I want more sincerity. If you're going to get goofs, it's going to be from the guests, not me. And I feel like I need to do my service as a dedicated uh, television game show podcaster host. Uh, to, to, to be better than this. Uh, it has been a part of my frustration and a big negative cloud that was going through my head for quite a while now, to be honest. I know, I know you want this podcast to be funny and silly and jokey, and we'll get to that, but there was this real dark cloud, and to be honest, even though I rejected the Buzzcast Network, and I'm trying to push away the bug cult, I still don't know if this is going to make me happy. 
I know I made a mistake uh, last week. I did a whole dumb thing where I unfriended a whole lot of people on Twitter. Lots of outrage. But maybe it, it's just a way of saying here's a new beginning. Maybe we're it's a renew. Maybe this is a new Jordan for, for the next year, the second year of game shows, I suppose. And maybe we can continue on delivering the best game show podcast I can provide. If you came here through the means of, a, say, a Bazizio or Bugmane, or you follow me on Twitter and you see this and you checked it out, thank you, I appreciate it, but it's not necessary at this point. Um, I need to remind people this is not a comedy bit. This is a actual game show podcast. A lot of people just kind of skip this part. They skip the news. They skip the review at the end. They just want the interview portion. I don't blame them. That's the most entertaining part. But uh, I feel like I have to be honest and and say this before we actually start the real show. uh, That I don't feel like I should be there. I don't feel like I belong there. And... If I'm going to be honest, and I want to keep being this great voice for for entertainment and game shows, and still be funny, but still have this level of intelligence, I need to continue being honest. And I just, I do, I lost it. I I feel like I don't belong. Now, if you're following me because of struggle session, uh, sure, okay. I understand that, um, but that's also a Buzzcast property, so I also feel kind of lost there, too. It kind of, it feels like, oh, geez, that I make a really bad mistake, and will any of these people be my friends? And truth be told, my brain's telling me no, but I know somewhere down the line that's not necessarily the case. Um, I have been depressed I have been crying and I I just want to say thank you for anyone who's ever given us a lesson um but uh the show must go on I still have to continue a ongoing bit where uh, I get to say I want to host a game show and then watch his that show exists, and then I don't get the gig because, of course, I'm not an A-list celebrity with agents. <sighs> so anyway, there's that Weakest Link thing. How about that, right? Jordan for Weakest Link? Yeah, that would be great. Um, so thank you all for, for at least listening or give me a try. If you want to unsubscribe, I understand. If you want to unfriend me on Twitter, I understand. Once again, that's Jordan Ha on Twitter, J-O-R-D-H-A. If I followed you and unfriended you, whoops, um, I'm I just can't be bothered anymore. I give up. I just I give up. But uh, show must go on. This is a game show podcast. Uh, hang on a sec. I'm going to hit the pause button on the record. Uh, have like a two second cry, and then we'll get to the news. Uh, sorry, I had to take a few minute break, and now I'm kind of cheered up, but not really, because <laughs> I just realized, like, the last eight or so minutes, I've been, like, 
in a solemn, sad state and like crying in tears. And yeah, I just realized today's episode's fun house. So like the beginning intro is just this happy, cheerful theme song from the UK fun house. <laughs> so it's funny, like it's wacky, it's crazy, it's outrageous. Oh, I feel sad. <laughs> Actually, it's kind of funny to be honest. Oh, I'm laughing at myself. That's that's self-deprecation. I need to probably seek a therapist at this point. Anyway, uh, so Fremontal uh, went to MIPCOM, and they announced uh, some of their uh, new formats. So I figure we'll take the time to explain them right now. Fremontal's reality dating ser- series, Five Guys a Week, follows one woman on a quest for a new romance. In the format, the lady invites five potential suitors to move into her house with her for a week, all at the same time. All under one roof. Five Guys a Week is the simplest new format 2019, says Rob Clark, director of global development. Another highlight is Epic Game. Well, well, Five Guys a Week felt like, you know, like a quick bachelor, bachelorette. And also feels like a, a reminiscence of uh, Chains of Love. Remember that show on UPN for a while where they had four dudes handcuffed to the lady? That was that was interesting. Anyway, uh, another highlight is Epic Game Show. Fremontal, as the home of game shows, has created a huge weekly event entertaining format for ITV in the UK. Made up of our incredible game show catalog. We've taken our biggest game shows, such as The Price is Right, Strike It Rich, and Card Sharks. Added a marquee talent presenter, Alan Carr. And given a show an epic new ending. Well, well, not necessarily, because it's not card sharks, it's player cards right in the UK. And Strike It Rich hasn't really returned to America. So I, I think if anything, that should be a sign that maybe try Strike It Rich. We did we did talk about that in the early years. I did have a new version with that, and I said Crick Ferguson should host it. Oh well, never mind that. <clears throat> Another format is uh shopping in can is rolling in it which comes from over-the-top productions and has been commissioned by ITV in the UK. Three contestants play alongside some of their favorite celebrities in a bid to go home with a big cash prize. Also, there's Family uh, Brain Games, which looks for the nation's smartest family. Uh, Also, the reboot of Supermarket Sweep when Thames Game Show brought back by ITV2 in the UK and shot by Leslie Jones for an American release. We talked about that, too. Uh, All right. So, uh, ITV. ITV's formats will be for the French Coast. Uh, Love Island is one of them. Comedians giving lectures with comedians providing their own take on academics. Old Wife, New Life, which is ex-wives moving with newlyweds to resolve old issues. And a new quiz show, The Switch. The Kids Show, Project C. Part structured reality format and part game show set in an imaginary zombie world. Well, that's great. A kid's zombie show. Uh, and Embarrassing Pets complete the lineup of new formats. Capping up ITV Slate is a returning format such as Catch Point, a physical game show, and In for a Penny. Finally, Ant and Deck will also be traveling to Cannes to share their 2019. Well, that's great. Good for them. Good for them. Good for Ant and Deck. Good for those people. Uh, all right. NB. Uh, next is A&E. Solo Wars is a dating game show that unfolds 100 singles evenly split between male and female who compete for love and or a cash prize. A game of strategy, participants must form romantic allegiances to progress to the next round. Each round ends with one or multiple eliminations, culminating when one couple 
proving their love for each other and winning the prize money. Participants use psychological tactics as they battle their rivals and appeal to the opposite sex. Eh, eh, not feeling that one. NBC Universal, Bring the Funny was uh, produced by UTAS, pays homage to every style of comedy performance. Uh, and it came out as a world-class comedy club. It was not that good. <laughs> I should have reviewed it. I didn't really like Bring the Funny. Uh, the format has already been picked up by France. Another format header for NBC UIs is Britain's Best Parent, produced by Monkey. It features unorthodox parenting styles and questions for our perfect parenting philosophy really exists. A student audience votes on the parenting style is best after parents compete. NBC UIF also acquired a third-party format from Israel. Quiz show, you should know, presents contestants with photos from their social media feeds and tasks them with answering general knowledge questions related to the places, food, activities, hobbies, and events depicted in them. Which, okay, that sounds like an interesting format. Uh, so it'd be like, I guess, because I keep posting Kirby and Nightwing shit all the time on Twitter, questions about the Kirby games or, or Nightwing comics, I assume. Okay, that might be interesting. That might be an interesting way to look at it. It's kind of like a this is your life social media with quiz show based on stuff that you've been to i like that actually that might be a, that might actually work uh but but we got to keep going here mark your calendars folks november 1st at 8 7 central on country music television it's nashville squares <sighs> cmt's nashville squares hosted by comedian bob saget it was premiered friday november 1st 8 p.m 7 central Tanya Tucker, Sarah Evans, Marie Osmond, Kyle Bush, Gina Kramer, and my cousin, Chris Sullivan, Carson Kressley, Caroline Wright, Bill Engvall, and more to play something country in a tic-tac-toe showdown. From Nashville, Tennessee, CMT announced today its new game show format. Nashville Squares will kick off with a two-episode premiere on Friday, November 1st, hosted by Bob Saget. Follows in the footsteps of hip-hop squares by staying true to the beloved tic-tac-toe format and infusing it with some of the most influential and charismatic personalities in country music, pop culture, entertainment, sports, fashion, comedy, and more. Celebrity contestants in squares include Bill Engvall, Caroline Ray, Carson Kressley, Chris Sullivan, Deanna Carter, Devin Dawson, Fortune Feimster, really? Gary Busey, Jana Kramer, Mike Cousin, Jimmy Allen, Kenya Moore, Kyle Bush, Bark Ballas, and BC Jean, Marie Osmond, Melissa Peterman, Mickey Guyton, Mitchell Tenpenny, Sarah Evans, Tanya Tucker, and Ty Pennington. CMT Nashville Squares will feature exciting musical moments, fun and unpredictable competition, dance choreography from the Dallas Cowboy Cheerleaders All-Stars, and much more. I What? Wait, what? The Dallas Cowboy Cheerleaders? What? <laughs> I, I should really, like, proofread this before I actually read this on air. I, okay, you know what? I want a game show with the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders. This is it. We did it, folks. Additional celebrity guests include Adam Richman, Catherine Bach, uh, Chesley Christ, Curtis Rempel and Brad Rempel, Dusty Slay, Haley Oriana, uh, High Valley, John Reap, uh, Joseph Newgarden, Kiefer Thompson and Shauna Thompson, Leah Turner, Lindsay uh, Zarnak, uh, Lonnie Love, Presley Tucker, Sarah Tiana, Tom Wopat, and WWE professional wrestler Mickey James. Okay, well, some of those make sense. Like Tom Wopat, because, you know, he won Dukes of Hazard. Uh, you, you got, you got like Mickey James. Okay. Uh, some of these names, like, 
at what part when you're thinking country music? Now, when I think country music and I think celebrity casting for this, I mean, like, I'm surprised he didn't get George Takei. He loves country music. That I think that would be kind of like a good cross breach. But uh, you, you, you get Carson Presley, like, like the guy from E. Like, I don't really see the the ex queer eye guy to be country music. I, I, I mean, like, yeah, I can see like blue collar comedy tour. I could see southern comedians, country music, absolutely. Um, but like. If I'm going to go with a, a Nashville Squares, I'd focus my attention on Georgia and Florida and in the down south. And this is when you get like p- people that are very famous, like faces, and you create this show that is kind of comedy and family combined. I. I mean, you might find the format here. I am definitely going to watch Nashville Squares and hope it fits, but I'm I'm kind of in the in the question marks with some of these guests. It feels like they're just getting comedians, but if but this feels like a more I guess broadcasting compared to hip hop squares, because a lot of the hip hop squares casting is really just rappers, producers, hip hop artists, and then like maybe two comedians. This at least feels a little bit more broader, but it, all this does is just make me pine for Hollywood Squares again. So they could keep calling it Nashville Squares or Hip Hop Squares. Just give me classic ass squares. Give me classic Hollywood ass squares. Call it Hollywood ass squares. Thank you so much. Oh, mid Dodge Ali, the comedian actor famous for films such as Mamma Mia, colon, Here We Go Again, is set to host an ITV game show from the makers of The Chase. Deadline has learned that he'll host Winning Combination, the first quiz format from ITV Studios, Potato, since the chase in 2009. Winning Combination was piloted earlier this year, and ITV is in a final stage of signing off a full series commission. Uh, this format starts with nine contestants who are assigned a number between one and nine. They are whittled down to a final four, and the combination of numbers they have been assigned represents the size of the jackpot they will play to win in a final round. It means the price money could be as high as 9,876 pounds or as low as 4,321 pounds. It'll be the first time uh, he's hosted a quiz and approached after impressing a celebrity in the chase. Okay. I mean, sure. I, I uh, It sounds like to me they don't want to... It, it's weird that like a BBC game show can offer a 10,000 pound prize, yet this show, which is on ITV is struggling to come up with the anything except for the least being 4,321. But I'll have to wait and see. It feels like it's just going to be like a random lucky number draw trivia game. But maybe it's good. Maybe? I have hopes. Also from Deadline, CBS is going on another amazing race with Phil Kogan after Network landed its latest physical competition format. The Network has handed Tough as Nails a 10-episode order. Amazing Race host is producing and hosting series which shines a spotlight on real people who are real tough in real life as a result of their physically demanding everyday job with his producing partner, Luis Kyogen. Uh, contestants will be tested for their strength, endurance, agility, and mental toughness in challenges that take place on the real world. One by one, they'll be eliminated until a winner is named. Uh, okay, so this is... Uh, 
Tough as Nails was inspired by my proud working class family of farmers, gold miners, builders, and coal miners, said Phil Kyogen. I was lucky enough to spend my school days working alongside my grandfather, an A-grade mechanic, World War II aero mechanic, gunsmith, and inventor. I'm excited to celebrate the skills of those who sweat factory forms instead of gym floors and those who wear the work boots instead of workout shoes. <sighs> so this is America's Toughest Jobs, the reboot then. Okay. Uh, just want to remind people that that show got canceled. That didn't really work out well. Sounds to me like CBS is just picking up this show because they like Phil Kogan, and they're trying to come up with a cheaper uh, show to star him in the event that they get rid of The Amazing Race because of the budget it takes to produce that show. Uh, so, yay, and also, mm, not so good. Um, good format, though, but I think this is a step back on CBS's reality lineup. Hey, more announcements. Uh, Game Show Network announces Get a Clue, hosted by actor Rob Belushi. Rob Belushi. Uh, Game Show Network, the leader in game shows and competitive entertainment, has greenlit Get a Clue, its new word-guessing game show hosted by actor Rob Belushi from How I Met Your Mother. The new half-hour series will premiere in early 2020 and air Monday through Friday. Get a Clue is a high-paced, high-energy clue game in which two teams compete to see who can successfully guess the most answer words before time runs out. In each round, teams will receive a list of answer words they get to play. The fun starts as the first player gives clues to the second player until they guess the correct word. Then the second player gives clues to the third player and so on until a team either guesses all the clues in the category or runs out of time. The team with the most points advances to the bonus round to play for $10,000. They'll have 60 seconds to guess eight words, but the entire team has to stay on their toes because the clue givers and guessers change randomly with every new word. Okay, so this is basically another uh, word-based game. So it's like Pyramid or 25 Words or Less uh, or Celebrity Name Game, I guess, but with uh, another attempt at this, a $10,000 prize. I mean, okay, I like Rob Belushi. I think he's a nice host. I think he can host the show. I think they would actually do a good job. I'm kind of confused, though, because this kind of feels like, and I don't want to be like mean because I'm pretty sure I probably know some of the producers and people working on the show. It feels like a, a, di a last-ditch attempt to try and get another GSN original because they don't have any formats to keep to their name because of Buzzer. So for Game Show Network to make some revenue, they're going to try and make these $10,000 default cash prize game shows uh, while also... Uh, trying to sell them into syndication, much like America says, and I'm guessing common knowledge, and probably to catch 21 when that happens. So this is going to be another show in the docket for them to try and test the waters for before selling, because I think this is the only way for Game Show Network to make some money and generate. So Game Show Network is basically the test pilot game show channel, not the Game Show Network itself. Oh, well. Uh... It might be fun. I, I might actually, I want to see that show. That'd be funny. And finally, oh, Jesus Christ. Allison Hannigan set to host Food Network's upcoming Girl Scout Cookie Championship. That's a fucking show. Are you shitting? <sighs> this show's 
this, this podcast has just given me a world of emotion here. I've been happy, I've been giggly, I've been depressed, all in the same episode. Uh, there's Thin Men's Tagalog, Samoas, and Savannah Smiles. Now in a TV series to the Pantheon of Girl Scout Cookies, Food Network has picked up a primetime competition series, Girl Scout Cookie Championship, for a four-episode season. The news was announced Wednesday. Allison Hannigan, former Girl Scout herself, from How I Met Your Mother in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. The series challenges professional bakers to transform their favorite Girl Scout cookies into new dessert creations. Uh, Nacho Aguilar and Katie Lear are the judges and are joined each episode by a rotating third judge, including confirmed panelist Carla Hall. Lee and Hall are also Girl Scout alums. Production is currently underway, and the series is slated to premiere in quarter one 2020 during Girl Scout cookie season. We are thrilled to collaborate with the Girl Scouts of the USA to celebrate the Girl Scout cookie program and those iconic cookies that are anticipated all year long, said White. Food Network's Girl Scout Cookie Championship gives consumers one more reason to love Girl Scout Cookie season and presents a great opportunity to better understand what it means to be a Girl Scout, said Girl Scout USA CEO Sylvia Acevedo. In addition to the delicious treats the show will be serving up, viewers will gain insight into all the amazing things Girl Scouts do, having adventurous outdoor experiences, exploring the latest in STEM, boldly creating positive change in the world, and of course participating in the largest girl-led entrepreneurship program in the world, the Girl Scout Cookie Program. Hannigan Scars in the upcoming floor and the uses for Disney+. Plus. She also voices the role of Claire Clancy, mom of six-year-old Nancy, in Disney Junior's animated series Fancy Nancy, and stars in Abducted, the Mary Schaffer story. Produced by Cineflix Productions and rep by APA, which also represents Hannigan. <coughs> I'll repeat that last part. Uh, the show is produced by Cineflix Productions and is repped by APA, which also represents Hannigan. So, folks, remember when I talked about packaging deals? I just wanted to remind you that uh, this show, which is repped by APA, also represents Allison Hannigan. It's not a coincidence. And that's why I'm kind of annoyed sometimes. Anyway, uh, for some cheer-up news, apparently there's a $100,000 pyramid app right now. Go to 100,000pyramidapp.com. Download the app today. This is like a plug for a mobile game that I don't get any money for. But I should probably play it before I realize it might be sucky. Uh, but check it out, Pyramid App. And now let's start today's show. When Double Dare made its debut in 1986, nobody knew what it meant to be a children's game show. There was your junior versions of Joker's Wild, like Joker, 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 or Hollywood Squares with Storybook Squares. But Double Dare felt like a show that was meant for kids, so much so that Double Dare fever swept the country in that of the kids' game show. It'd be such a popular series, it no longer was just a show on Nickelodeon. It attempted to be syndicated by its parent company, MTV Networks, much like remote control to other stations. But... Before that was the case, it had national television service by the name of the newly formed Fox Network in 1988. Fox's family double there had a bigger budget than its Nickelodeon counterpart, offering $4,000 looking mashed potatoes or a brand new car for completing the obstacle course. Nickelodeon would air the show from 86 to 87, with 88 being the Fox year, before going into syndication immediately after from 88 to 89. 
Double Dare was in syndication and then was sent back to Nickelodeon in the early 90s to be the face of the channel once again, this time paired with the original Nicktoons and much more. But with Fox out of the picture in 1988 and syndication starting fast, a new show that was similar had to be created to gain the children's audience between cartoons and whatever teen talk show they had to create. In Walks in Funhouse, created by Stone Television, it would be the precursor to the other cult Nickelodeon game show, Legends of the Hidden Temple, with the Temple games being similar to the stunts pulled from this show, and the Funhouse run being, well, a temple run. Join me for this journey about a show that was meant to compete against Double Air for syndicated TV supremacy, but would not only help create the more iconic kids game show of the 1990s, but would also become the ultimate UK children's game show. America had Double Dare, they had Funhouse. And now, let's get messy and, and turn the tables. With me on the line is the host of Parents Just Don't Understand, Denise and Kurt Schiller. Hi. Hey, how's it going? I'm doing great. This is a, a wonderful uh, time. Parents Just Don't Understand, a wonderful parent podcast. Uh, you can of which tell we were us more about good. the show real quick. Yeah, uh, of which we were privileged to have you on uh, very recently as the guest uh, talking about the history of uh, children's game shows. Uh, uh, so Parents Just Don't Understand is a podcast uh, about children's media of all sort. Uh, um, and it kind of came out of our joint realization. Um, so Denise, the parents of uh, two awesome young daughters. Uh, and we kind of had this realization that people talk about children's media primarily from an adult point of view. Like people talk about like retro stuff. Like there's, you know, Gosh knows how many Power Rangers podcasts out there, um, but there's not a whole lot of people who talk about children's media from like a child's point of view, which is like who it's created for. So we we decided to start uh, talking about that. Um, is that does that sound more or less correct, you, Denise? Um, also, my you know analytical nerdery just wants to like deep dive into what is that character's motivation and what can I pick and pull apart out of that. So. Um, so yes, it just uh, it fills our cup. So you're, and we're very concerned with like what is on are. Angelica Pickles. Is she really <laughs> a villain or not? Well, I, I mean, like you can learn a lot about how people see the world based on like what media they consume as as a child. Because like one of the realizations I think for, as parents that we had was like you know kids really start out as like almost complete blank slates culturally. And like, if you say something to them, they'll like, they'll believe it. If they see something, at least for a while, like they think it's real. So, you know, the media that you show to kids has an immediate and very impactful effect on like how they perceive the world to be. And, and I wouldn't necessarily say blank slate, but I would say like dry sponge because they are literally absorbing everything. So and we can get all get them interested in WWE programming, <laughs> uh, get them involved in the exciting world of, uh, I was going to come up with like other weird example, go watch South Park, go watch uh, Rick and Morty. Uh, I mean, kids don't know what's 
like quote unquote normal and what what isn't. That's that's a perception that you have to form growing up. So like something that we've talked about on you know previous episodes of our podcasts is like if you show um, a very young child something that's scary, that would be scary to like a six or seven year old. Like if you show that to like a two year old, they may not find it scary because mm-hmm. they may not understand that. For instance, like we watched uh, the Nightmare Before Christmas with our daughter who's now three when she was about two and she she was like it didn't bother her at all none none of the parts that are even like kind of scary came across as scary to her because she doesn't know that skeletons mean scary or that halloween is supposed to be scary Mm -hmm. she just kind of was like oh like skeleton yeah i could be friends with a skeleton that's that's totally normal everything's fine yeah what up skeleton (laughs) you can be friends with skeletons skeletons are cool folks Uh, we can also skeletons are all of them we can also like push media that we like, um, but also see as appropriate for her age group. So we also watch a lot of Miyazaki films and also uh, be in puppycat cartoons off of the YouTubes. I was going to say the, uh, the, 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 the adventure time people. Um, yeah. yeah. Frederator. Yes. Frederator. They uh, also uh, bravest warriors, which um, I enjoyed, but I don't follow it as uh, vigorously as I follow being puppy cat. And, you know, germane to this conversation is um, a, uh, you know, I don't want to jump ahead to the show that we're talking about, but our, our three-year-old had never seen a game show before. And we showed her these episodes. So we have some stuff to share about that. And she really hasn't seen many commercials before. Oh no! And so um, saw a bunch of like eighties commercials for oh, toys yeah. that don't exist anymore and she was just like watching them like what is this, what is this thing because we, we watch everything on streaming services but there's not really like toy commercials right and she definitely like zoned into it like the game she was playing on my phone like paused long enough for the screen to go black and then she was like oh it's not working <laughs> oh no I've, I'm now ruining a family in this <laughs> uh, but I mean that's that, that's the real thing with a lot of media, especially reboots these days. Uh, is is a lot of stuff is like you know like a Ducktales reboot, or it's uh, they're bringing they brought back Rocco as a one off on Netflix, and uh, Double Dare it, got rebooted for Nickelodeon recently. Uh, fun fact: it's also sad. We were talking about that in the episode, Kurt. Yeah, it got canceled <laughs> since right. since it aired, like the oh, day wow. after we uh, that episode uploaded. They made the announcement. It's over. Well, it's. I mean, I. You know, I. I, I think that this is something that we'll talk about more once we really get into the show. Uh, but you know, I. I, I think there's something. Uh, maybe t- time linked or linked to a to a certain era in history for some of these show formats. So. Uh, I also just am kind of tired of reboots. Um, I feel like there. It sort of just feels like there are no original ideas anymore. And they just have to keep making sequels and remaking things or remaking something that someone else did. And uh, I just want something original and different. I mean, I, I, I got some of that. I got, look, this is, this is a podcast about like game shows from the past and present, but it's not to say I don't have like a big bag of ideas here. Mm-hmm. We'll get into it. So today's episode that we're talking about today is one of the most iconic children's game shows of all time. It's one of the most requested game shows we talk about. That's right, folks. We are talking about the one you wanted to see the most, Funhouse. Wait, no, that's not it at all. (laughs) 
So yeah, Funhouse uh, is, is what I would say is some people call it a knockoff. They call it a ripoff of Double Dare. Double Dare was a big hit in the 80s. Uh, Pittsburgh Zone, Double Dare. Uh, in Philly. It aired in Philly Studios. So, mm-hmm. so because of the success of that on Nickelodeon, uh, Fox uh, wanted their hands on one, and they lost the rights to it. And syndicators wanted their own Double Dare, and it, it's, the, it's the only game in town. So what happened is uh, a guy, a guy by the name of uh, of Stone, uh, some Stone Productions and, and Bob Signs, who used to make the Magnificent Marble Machine in the 70s, which was this pinball-based game show, uh, worked together to create a show called Fun House. Uh, <laughs> and essentially, uh, it's, it's a weird, weird uh, show to explain. Uh, I mean, I is, think what I would explain it to someone as is like Legends of the Hidden Temple before there was Legends of the Hidden Temple. It was. It was Scott Stone and, and Scott Stone and Bob Sines in seasons one, two. Then when it went to Fox for season three. Uh, unfortunately, Bob Sines passed away at the mm-hmm. age of 57. So they got uh, this was when Stanley, when when Stanley would show up, uh, David Stone Stanley, Stanley and that right. became Stone Stanley Productions. Stone Stanley. Uh, was the company behind Legends of the Hidden Temple. Uh, and it followed some of the similar uh, points on this show in Legends. Uh, of course, with a less bet budget if you look at the prize department <laughs> on that show. Uh, at what, uh, what was the time frame for the British version? Because okay, so British I feel like ver- the British version that one of the was show. Uh, Ninja Warrior meets Mediocre Prizes. <laughs> so, so that debuted in 1989. The first episode of Funhouse also debuted in September 5th, 1988. So one year later, it debuts. The fun part about the British version, which we'll get into because this is that's the, the big hallmark of it, is that it lasted so long. It lasted almost a whole decade of television. Really? It wow. Did. Like this it became a more successful, even though there's more episodes of the American Funhouse than British Funhouse. The British Funhouse lasted longer in terms of decade by decade than uh, the American version. Because the American version was Monday through Friday, right after school. Hey, kids, on Fox Kids, right after you watch Eek the Cat, get ready for Funhouse (laughs) with Shady Roth. So, so uh, I, I want to do a real quick sidebar about Eat the Cat. Um, but I, I don't, I barely remember the show, but I do remember the Super Nintendo Eat the Cat game. Um, which is germane to this discussion because there's a terrible, terrible Nintendo uh, Funhouse game with, with, with a horrifying picture of uh, host J.D. Roth. But it there is. was an Eat the Cat Nintendo <laughs> game for some bizarre reason. Uh, I don't know why it was a roller skate game. I still can't figure it out other than it was like high tech had this game in stock and they just created it. Yeah, it was probably a reskin of, of an existing game that, that happened to involve roller skating like there, there were a bunch of other branded video games like that around the same time period like there was a there was a there was a, there was a uh, domino's pizza video game called yo noid yes um, social that, cyclone that the noid came out that was, yep uh so you got the uh they made a, they made a game i'm trying to they also made a dos version which was somewhat similar to this in terms of there was like some mini games and then there was like a fine round which was supposed to be kind of like the fun house but it didn't really kind of have it. It was almost like c- complete the maze. Uh, so as, as, well, let me explain. If you've never seen Fun House before, here's how the here's how the game works. 
uh, you are introduced to this wonderful, fun house that looks like a giant discovery zone uh, full of different wonders. And then we are seen by uh, a, a identical twins who serve as cheerleaders and as as basically the the like the Vanna Whites of the show. We are we get introduced by the show's announcer. In the original version, it's a guy by the name of Tiny. Yeah, I I, I remember. I, I was confused because um, we so the episodes that we watched were from like eighty nine. 90 and then the uk one was like 97 i think yeah. and i think tiny was in the 89 one but not the 91 where there was like a like a rapid dude um like a rapid 90s dude was was in the oh the, that, that fox version was the 90 version oh yeah mm-hmm. so so when they when they went into the Fo- when they went to fox fun i was with season three fox spent a whole lot of money on it and it changed its entire set they added a water slide for some reason an, an inward pool a giant it was piece inflatable it's pretty incredible. The new uh, the new guy's name was Michael Boogaloo Shrimp Chambers. Boogaloo <laughs> Shrimp. By the way, he has a website, www.boogalooshrimp.com. He still does stuff. Like, I don't want to sound like I'm being dismissive by calling him a rapping guy because, like, for uh, the quality of um, an intro rap for a kid's game show, I would say it was quite high. Um, it, it was it was not bad. I, I was impressed at a lot, uh, a lot of things actually about the the Fox Funhouse version. So if the only le- it it's very interesting. So uh, this is the, the the last thing I got to bring this up before we get into like the show. We've got to get to Michael Boogaloo Shrimp. So uh, the fun one I can say is, <clears throat> have you ever heard of the song "Summer Girls" by LFO? Yes. You know that I like girls who wear Amber Crombie and Fitch. He is referenced in that song. Really? Boogaloo Shrimp and Pogo Sticks. My mind takes me back there oh so quick. Let me- <laughs> oh my goodness. Like there is like that is such <laughs> weird. Because uh, he was, because uh, for folks, if you don't know who Boogaloo Shrimp was, he, he, was, he played Turbo in Breaking 2, Electric Boogaloo. He was like one of the leads. And he became I the new announcer. Uh, the, the first two, which was like a syndicated run, was just like big, tall, fat guy named Tiny. Because that's supposed to be the joke. You know, he's he's called Tiny, yet he's big, tall, and, 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 and voluptuous. And of course, his voice sounds like this. Hey, welcome to Funhouse. We have a lot of fun today, don't we, folks? We're going to get a lot of mess. And here's Janie Ra. He really doesn't leave much of an impression. It's... It, it's I think he was like he also had to serve as like the uh, the warm up for the audience. Like, hey guys, I'm on your side. Yeah, loud of applause. But in the British version, they don't really have the announcer, and somehow the audience knows to chant something. It is that's a British thing. I don't know. When you get to like Mister uh, Boogaloo guy, Boogaloo Shrimp, Mike MC Mike, he does like he he does basically like. Sp- like wraps up what's going to happen in the episode like they're going to spray chudder with whipped cream then we're going to go and follow our dream they're going to get messy with a bunch of pies lots of laughs and that's no lie here on Funhouse and then we're introduced to the show's host J.D. Roth show villain J.D. Roth as it turns out what? Katie Roth is an iconic person in the world of game shows. Uh, later, after Funhouse, he was on to do uh, Animal Planet Zoo Adventure. 
He did Masters of the Maze. He did uh, Unanimous on Fox. Uh, was behind the creation of uh, The Biggest Loser. Loser. Uh, and Endurance, the the NBC teen game show. Like, like he has his like track record of game shows. And it's like, this is kind of like the one that kind of launched him into the atmosphere. Because he has, it's this, it's this surfer dude looking guy who wears like, like this was like peak late 80s wear, wears bright t-shirts, uh, khaki pants, uh, British knights. It has this like, yeah, dude, we're having a lot of fun right here in the fun house. What up? Until season three when he switches to LA gear. LA <laughs> gear. And not only that, he tries to go full Arsenio, by the way. Yes. that's true he yes was definitely wearing like zubaz pants zubaz. Um, <laughs> and then he had his second catchphrase his second catchphrase was let's get messy oh. so, <laughs> I, I have two thoughts about uh the the television character of uh, jd roth because what immediately struck me is a cool redhead um and it made me think back to like uh, of, this is a very strange tangent but i'm, I'm just going for it um, it, it made me realize that in the late 80s, early 90s, there were a lot of cool TV dudes who were redheads. Um, so there was uh, Wheeler from uh, Captain Planet, uh, who was like the like like signature. signature cool guy among the Planeteers. Uh, um, in the Care Bears movie, uh, the, the villain uh, Blackheart, I believe his name is, was like a cool redhead. And then you have like J.D. Roth, who's like a cool redhead, and there's definitely like Nickelodeon sitcoms who were also like a stereotypical cool redhead. And then at some point in the '90s, redheads slash gingers stopped being cool and became an object of uh, ridicule. And it really struck me that like I, I feel like if you were making a kids game show and you wanted to have like a cool dude as the host, they wouldn't cast a person with red hair. Um, and I say this specifically because when I was in high school, um, my, my hair is like midway between blonde and red. And the other kids, I, 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 I'm not joking, they called me a daywalker. Oh, Redhead no. doesn't have freckles. It was not a cool thing anymore. But in the early 90s, late 80s, like you could be like a cool, slightly, slightly that, edgy, like redhead, uh, cool surfer dude guy. So, so, so it became basically like you kind of got screwed over a bit. Yeah, exactly. They, they became like like the eyeglasses kids in like a Nerf commercial who they show is like, look at this dork who doesn't have Nerf weapons. He's a nerd with glasses. And then look at these other cool kids with spiked blonde hair and they have Nerf guns. They're awesome. Watch this nerd kid get shoved in a locker and sprayed with the new super soaker. Exactly. Where is better? <laughs> uh, and I pointed out that being a bully isn't cool anymore. So none of this would, would work now. No, no, not, not at all. Then you get the cheerleaders, and they introduce to our teams of two, it, and they're total strangers to each other. Uh, sometimes they did celebrity episodes. One episode, by the way, had one Leonardo DiCaprio before he became the, the Revenant guy. Yeah, and it wasn't just Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, so we, we watched that episode. The other guy was um, from Who's the Boss? And I, I wrote that in his name somewhere. I've lost it and, and can't it's, find it. But. So they had Rob celebrity something. runs. And it's played with two teams, a red team and a gold team. You can't do a blue team because then it becomes too much like double there. Oh. Also, because I think they wanted to have that sort of like, you know, like we have to stand out somewhat. 
So so it's played with full five rounds, five rounds typically. Uh, in each round, there is one stunt, uh, and it's played with the boys. It's a boy-girl team always. Oh, it's always a boy-girl team for some reason. Always, always. Even though there were somewhere it was all girls or all guys, and they were trying to mix things up. They did like one that was like one stunt for every every fifty states. They did like a tribute to Father's Day or or some sort of like way to just work around the same old physical challenges all the time. So the first game is played with the boys, and it's like, hey, uh, we love making sandwiches here, so you're gonna have to make the sandwiches. You gotta put the fake foam rubber uh, sponge bread. And then the fake cheese, and then toss it over to the big plate. Whoever makes the most uh, wins twenty-five points. What? And then after like thirty seconds, we do a physical challenge, and it's okay. Well, they won the twenty-five points. Now let's move on to a question for twenty-five points. Yeah, and more often than not, the contestants would answer the question before he was finished asking the question. And I felt like for the age range of the the kids on the show, the questions were way too simple. Well, like, okay, for instance, uh, if there was a game where it was hat. like, you got to have water balloons, and then you got to throw it into a basketball hoop, and then if it's in the basketball hoop, it's, it smashes and blows up into like your partner or something. Mm-hmm. So then they ask a question like, you just played a game based off basketball. If you were to be in the NBA, how many members of your team are allowed to be on the court at any time? Five. Uh, <laughs> yes. Five. That's right. Five. You got 25 points. <laughs> which, which, by the way, then completely, if you were like the red team getting 25 points and then the gold team gets it right, that completely ties the entire game up. Right. Which negates the entire purpose of like a physical challenge that you could just be... Caught it's up equal, in one question. Equally weighted, right. Round two, it's now with the girls, and they get to play another game. And it's like, oh, this is inspired by Pinocchio. Uh, they have these giant noses, and they got to pop the balloons. Whoever pops the most balloons wins. A lot of, like, weird, um, like, co- there was a lot of, um, the, the stunts often seemed to involve, like, weird costumes that had so like the the ones I can recall off the top of my head. There was one where they had to dress up in like a dog costume and like pull bones out of um, like dog bowls. There was one where they had to wear this weird uh, like uh, like Velcro mask thing and then put like Mr. Potato Head pieces all, all over their their weird Velcro mask head. Uh, there was the there was one in the celebrity one where they had to dress up like superheroes, like a, a funhouse man it was, and then pop the balloons, which which you mentioned earlier. There was a lot of just like weird like dress up things and like, as like props in those. And I don't know if they're like really necessary other than to overlap to the question part of the show, which is like you are a superhero. Uh, what superhero lives in Metropolis? Is it Superman? spider-man or the flat so um because you mentioned superheroes um in in the beginning of the celebrity episode that we watched with uh leo and the guy from from who's the boss from who's the boss the the intro question they asked that uh um the who's the boss who's the boss guy said um oh gosh who who was it um Captain Planet. Captain Planet, yes, yeah, said Captain Planet. And then Leo said Namor the Submariner. Um, 
And I think it's very unfair because apparently um, Leonardo DiCaprio is now producing uh, a Captain Planet movie. So he totally went and stole the Who's the Boss guy's answer. Like, he should be producing a Submariner movie, not a Captain Planet movie. It's messed up. I mean, spoiler alert, he was on the winning team. Leo was robbed uh, on Funhouse, just like he was robbed in... um, a variety of uh, of future gigs like that's supposed to be his academy award (laughs) (laughs) well Uh, he's got to work on the egot goal he wants uh round three it's played with both teams playing a super messier stunt once again for 25 points so if you haven't figured it out yet it's rinse repeat 25 points 25 points 25 points 25 points 25 points 25 points and then all together, that's 150 points. And then you're thinking, oh, okay, well, that makes sense. And then we end it, right? Like, that's that's it? No, no, no. Now we can move on to the catch-up round in the form of the Grand Prix race. And the Grand Prix race is basically just the team has to run around the entire stage uh, grabbing tokens from, like, a sign and putting it in the bank and then doing one action and then switching off and then doing the same process again. First team to go do, through two laps wins the race and gets bonus points. Then they catch, then they they try to total up all the tokens and whoever has the most points, which by the way, there's more than 150 points in the Grand Prix race, uh, goes on to do the Funhouse bonus round thing. Um, I, I want to stop and talk about the Grand Prix race real quick because the adherence to the rules and the format and structure of it seemed very loosey-goosey. Um, so you you probably know the answer uh, to this, being the the game show expert. But um, did they did they swap inner and outer track when the the players swapped? Because that was the yes. first thing that we noticed. Okay, good. That's that's more fair. Um, Not only that, uh, in- if you notice uh, also when they do the switch out, notice the team colors on the banks. Oh, um, okay, was- yeah. Uh, the other thing that we noticed is that um, JD himself tended to like say like, oh well, this chip was on the ground or or something and it, it seemed like uh maybe things that were caught on a different camera that weren't necessarily televised um were being like detailed as they're counting points and we're like well we didn't know that that blue chip was on the ground or we didn't know that that one like we just like see them hunching over a thing grabbing things we don't know how many like chips and what color they are and a blue okay so in the grand prix race it's 10 points which are white circles and then 25 which are blue uh then there's a token bank which is at the end near the finish line so then there's somewhat of like a catch-up where you can just grab as much as you can before uh, mm-hmm. hitting the finish line but the rule is stated that if like a token hits the floor it's out of play so i think that's where where the you're getting that whether they're on the floor does that count or not well there's there's also stuff where like they had the token and they put it in the bag, but then it fell out of the bag. And at the end, uh, JD would be like, oh, you have this in the bag and then it fell out, but we're going to give it to you. He has he has his hands on the scales of, of victory constantly to the point that it feels it feels like visible artifice where he's like he, he does a lot. Like, there's a lot more mistakes on this show than there are on most game shows that, that I've watched where like it feels like in every single episode we watched some little thing went wrong or somebody misunderstood the rules or oh man in in the Leonardo DiCaprio episode um, the, the one team like won the race but they didn't quite cross the finish line and he literally goes like well you won but you didn't actually touch the finish line so you don't win so you lose therefore goodbye. Wow. 
Um, it was very like it feels like something that if it happened on the show, like The Price Is Right, would be like a big deal. Like, oh no, somebody like they should have won, but they didn't, and that happens on every single episode of Funhouse. Which, especially this being a kids show, feels very unfair. It is, uh, yeah, it, it feels a little unfairish too. But they also try to add the stakes with the uh, token, the token counting. Like, let's check out what you got. How many tens you got? One, two, three, four, four. That's forty points. And now, how many of these twenty fives you got? One, two. That's fifty. That's ninety points more. All right. Now we got to go to the gold team. Gold team just needs ninety-five to win. You got one, two, three tens. You just need three. You got five twenty-five pointers. Mm-hmm. You're going to the fun and house. They- they very specifically always count the 10 point coins first. Whereas from, you know, my analytical brain thinking, I'm like, who got the most points? You got to point, you got to count the blue chips first. 25 important to win the points. Um, the losing team gets like a board game in like British Knights and that's it. Uh, does, um, in, in that like point showdown, does the second team ever lose? Because in all the episodes that we watched, the second team was the one that won. And they were always like, oh, if they have one more token in the bag, then you win. And, and then, then they, they always did, and they always won. Uh, and and the, maybe that was ha- Sometimes it happened. Sometimes it happened. But usually they count the team already in the lead first to extend that lead out. Yeah. So the, uh, it makes- oh, well, you need to catch up now. Other um, times it's the, well, we know, like, if it's neck to neck, we'll just... Well, this team got the 25 points first, so we'll start with them first. And then we go to the Funhouse. Uh, before we get to the Funhouse, uh, in the UK version, which is somewhat similar, uh, they play the same kind of rule, 25 points per game. Uh, then there's, there's a trivia question. But the difference is that, um, as in the original game question, follow for 25 points. Okay, so in the, fi- in the Grand Prix race over there, they don't have, like, a shopping cart racetrack game. <laughs> Where if it's like, here's like a pulley and here's like a bicycle or a trike. No, they actually get go-karts to run around the studio with. Yeah, yeah, like Europe- European Grand Prix style. It was awesome. And to me, I think that's probably why it lasted longer than in the US. Like, I think also that's why the, the prizes were so mediocre. Well, it's also because of prize budget in the UK. Because at the time, you couldn't make that much money. But but it's that's, that's going to be beside like, the point. That's going to be uh, the the fun house finale thing, which we call the fun house. The, this is the sh- this is how the show gets its name. It's the fun house. Yeah. Uh, imagine if you will. Have you ever seen Legends of the Hidden Temple? I'm sure you have. Mm-hmm. Imagine this oversized like weird set that looks like a cross between a Discovery Zone or a Chuck E. Cheese tubes, uh, and different obstacles in a overly bright studio with price tags all over the place. The object is simple. Uh, you both get to go in there and collect as many tags as possible. You're limited to only three. There are cash tags ranging from $50 to $300 anywhere in the funhouse, but there's also prize tags, which can only be won through many physical challenges, such as look in the toilet for the tag or... Go pull the cord and find the flag. And or these the, prizes, um, the recycling um, bin. Yes, you get uh, you get two minutes, I believe. It's two minutes. And the idea is after three, you get out of the house, you tag your partner, and then like a tag team match, they have to go in, 
grab three, and you rinse, repeat. Which, which is, again, very, very similar to the format of Legends of the Hidden Temple, but at least in the UK version, I, I'm not conversion version, you didn't have to get out before the timer expired. I'm pretty sure that in Legends of the Hidden Temple, you, you have to get out before the timer expires, right? Okay, so Legends, in their f- finale, it's you have to get the quote-unquote artifact. To get the artifact, you have to go in the temple, go through each room, do their little physical challenge to go to the next room. Uh, beware the temple guard, they take away your pendant. If you are, if you don't have a pendant, you're taken out of the temple. Your opponent, your your team member goes through to go through the same path and, and basically can just go all the way to where you caught up. Uh, if you get, if you are stuck in the temple within three minutes, you get like the basic ass prize, like the RC car. If you get the artifact but don't leave the temple, you get the RC car and like the Casio keyboard. But then if you get out of the temple with the artifact within three minutes, you win the RC car, the Casio keyboard, and then like the trip to Vermont. Uh, so, so for this, this case, uh, it's just three tags. They have to get out, tag, rinse, repeat. Uh, and the prizes on this show are actually kind of, I'm not going to lie, a little better than some of like the stuff I saw in Double Dare, to be honest. Uh, yeah. Family, uh, family trip to, on a Disney cruise or like, I was like, that's pretty incredible actually. That was their bone. That's their grand prize. If you find the power prize, which was one of these price tags on the show, uh, mm-hmm. you win the grand prize, which is like the Disney cruise or Hawaiian vacation or Disney World for a week, like a one week trip to Disney World. Yeah. But what's funnier though is that in in the UK, you so, don't just get the power prize. You have to answer an extra question. Yeah, they don't just like hand it to. Not only that, then they have like, a dramatic spotlight, and Pat Sharp has to be like. All right. Uh, name like the th- two secondary colors of the rainbow, <laughs> and they just sometimes Gen screw up. And, but like their grand prize is always like it's 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 never really a foreign trip, other than like something nearby that would be cool, like Alton Towers or something it's like a theme park there. So the, the one that we saw um, was like I think it was like a Nintendo a television and a couple games for the one power prize, which is pretty good. Um, Actually, that that may have been an uh, American. That's like a tag. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's that's fair. That's fair. Yes. But yeah, the the difference between the the two is the American. I feel like all the prizes were uh, technology items like a, you know, a karaoke box and a, and a computer, which was actually just like a dictionary machine. And uh, I forget what else, but on the British one, I just keep going back to the bean bag, and I just yeah. be like, literally a bag of beans, not bean bag chair, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the, the bag of magic beans to bring back to the farm. No, I think you're going to bring up the, the school supplies. Like they get school, you got the <laughs> school supplies, <laughs> a calculator. I actually would have been funny if i said adding you got yourself but, the uh no my friend was the the video games and it was like a tiger electronic thing like it was just this like those are cool those were cool they they were cool they were the, so for the, like the prize for that- fun house i will list off some of the ones i have seen yes there were a lot of tech there was like a nintendo keyboard uh there there was uh, a television uh a vcr and like a bunch of movies but then it's like they have like a lot of out of the box prizes I've seen, uh, including uh, cable television for a year. 
Oh yeah, there was one where it was um, uh, chocolate for a year, and you're a, like a pizza party for forty of your friends. Oh, uh, there was one where it was we get to you get to, a puppy like you get to go to the animal shelter and we will pay <laughs> for an animal of your choice. Like you get an animal, you get a pet and we will even like pay the fee, all the vet bills that are like necessary back in the 80s. I hope I hope their parents were thrilled with that. Uh, there was uh, there, no there's one that they'd get really pissed off. One was uh, we redecorate your room. Like it was complete. Like we're gonna get like an actually dedicated like designer to go to your room and design it however you want: paint, bedding, all that. Sounds really awesome. <laughs> uh, you got a, a clothing. You got redesign uh, clothes, which include designer sunglasses. There was one where it was like music. Like it was like I think Sam Goody at the time. It was one of those music companies, and it was just like here's forty CDs. So it's. Somebody wants us to mention their name on our show, and this is what they have to give us as a prize. Yes, that's how they make their money. Basically, because <laughs> uh, they don't fetch out the thing unless it is like from yeah. Tiger Electronics. You get uh, a year's worth of cassette tape. You get tickets to the Los Angeles Zoo. Yeah, so that's that's a really good point. Oh. Um, in the early season, there was a bunch of like local to LA stuff. Um, like there was specifically, there was like a ski trip. A year uh, worth uh, of concert tickets. Although like, I don't know how many bands, like if you're, yeah. I, I get the kids on the yeah, show, like, like 11, 12. Right. Like, yeah. like, I feel like I was into about three bands when I was 11 or 12. It was like Black Sabbath, the Beach Boys and Green Day were pretty much the extent of my, my yeah. listening tastes. Uh, I guess maybe two of those. That's pretty varied. Yeah. <laughs> I would no, not have let the, my 11-year-old see. 1990, 91. So I don't know. Belle Biv DeVoe. Uh, <laughs> you got Sinead New Kids O'Connor on the Block, probably. maybe? I mean, yeah. that was a hit. So they would probably be like screaming New Kids on the Block tickets. In KOTB. In KOTB. Shoutouts to my friend Jordan. <laughs> um. So so it's like the prizes on that show were very weird. Not mentioned that's not including like the money they make and like if they get the power prize. So it becomes like near the end with the, when the time runs out they count all the tags. So it's like they won uh the backpack. Ooh. They won themselves the Game Boy. Ooh. They're each getting the VCR. Ooh. And how much money? $450. And I don't think they heard this, but they won the power prize. <laughs> That's a total so, of $6,050. So the, the interesting thing about the um, like the cash prize is that, so there was one where they won $150. Um, and that was from 1990. And we found like an, one of those online like inflation adjustment calculators. And that's about $300 in 2019 money. And for like a 12 year old, so like $300 is a lot of money, but it's not so much money that like as a parent, I, I would feel like, I, I, I feel like it's a small enough amount of money that um, if a 13 year old got it, they would expect to actually be able to spend that. It's not like $8,000. It's like, oh, we need to put yeah. this away for college. It's a small <laughs> enough amount of money that they'd be like, no, no, give me that. I know what I want to spend $300 on. So that actually is more dangerous than winning like a huge amount of money. <laughs> 
And some of the, uh, okay, so before we get back into, like, the prize, some of the obstacles became famous. Like, for instance, the upside-down kitchen was one of the more famous uh, rooms in Funhouse. And the whole gimmick was, like, here is a kitchen, but the, you know, the refrigerator is is on the roof, quote-unquote, the sink is on the roof, and the drawers and cabinets are on the floor. So the idea is that the camera flips over and it looks like the contestant's standing on the ceiling. You get that that's why the camera flipped when we were watching it. We we, we thought it was some like YouTube um, like copyright like mishap avoidance thing. Yeah. No. Uh, then there's the famous sewer. There's a sewer which later would show yeah. up in Legends of the Hidden Temple. The uh, sewer, which looked like a Ninja Turtles thing with like slime, uh, with like ping pong balls in the slime. Yeah. Originally, it was supposed to be goopy slime, like this, like a slush. Uh, but of course they couldn't keep that up so it had to be uh, ping pong balls so i don't know if this was a copyright thing or or what but um in in the earlier episode that we watched the one that was not on fox um they were actively calling their like knockoff nickelodeon slime slime but in the late in, in the fox version that we that we watched um the the host was calling it not slime but schmutz that was a that was supposed to be an insult to double air there they, they didn't want to call it slime because nickelodeon slime they got the angry letters so they kept trying to come up with different names now double there never really calls it slime they called it gack too so that was their way of calling it out so oh we can't say slime we can't say gack okay so here's schmutz here is glop Ooh. Here is. They also the the American version also um, tended to call a lot of the things like bodily fluid, right? Whereas the British version, it was more something else. They like call it gunge. They it usually was, call it gunge over in Bryn. Or or they did like motor oil, or you know, they you're like throwing like, this is ch- starfish instead of booger, and um, I just I don't know. It seemed slightly more respectful. <laughs> it. it <laughs> It, it kind of was. Uh, in the Fox version, there was also like a lifeline in the form of the clop clock in the in the obstacle. If they grab the clock, mm-hmm. they bring it back 15 more seconds. Ooh, ah. It didn't have any... Uh, it, it could have been paired with the three uh, tags, so it, it could be happened. So you could show up, get like a $100 tag, a $50 tag, and then like, I don't know, the, the pants, the pants, the, the, the Levi's jeans <laughs> or... Uh. In, in the American version, as um, as they're navigating the obstacles, the uh, JD Roth is like calling out advice and like kind of kind of like reminding them of, of what to do, which I thought was really funny. Um, in the celebrity episode, kid from from Who's the Boss was like he he was there was some obstacle where he's supposed to pull on a cord and a bunch of stuff is supposed to fall down. Um, and uh, the host is just yelling, "Stand closer! Stand closer! Stand directly under it!" Like. Like you have to get hit by the trees as they fall, and it was very. You have to. You have to get covered by the trash. Well, and the weird thing is, didn't they make a big deal about him having been through the funhouse before? Yes, and he had been previously on a previous celebrity episode. Because it was a celebrity episode. The celebrity episode was supposed to be that they filmed like multiple episodes with them. Oh, so it was like so. Leonardo was. I remember. uh, So El Moon Fry was in like one of the pilot episodes. A fun house. It was El Moon Fry. Yeah. Like it was, no, it was great. Cause like a lot of the time when they were, had celebrities, it was to plug like another kid's show. Like here is from Peter Pan and the Pirates here on the Fox network. And you're just like, what? What? 
They, they didn't really have much on the Fox Network. Like, Batman the Animated Series didn't really exist yet. Um, but they did air reruns from time to time. So what happened is, and I don't understand why it was, but it, it happens. Uh, they, they had three seasons. I guess the ratings dropped. They canceled the show. But they always, they, the show apparently had notoriety enough to, not only did they have video games, both a DOS version and a Nintendo Entertainment version. They also had, uh, as even as a consolation prize, not just a home game, the Fun House Fitness tapes. Yes, the the um the Swamp Stomp with Jane Fonda herself as one of the routine like people. Yeah, the um the second exercise video was actually added to the Jane Fonda like exercise collection set that you can uh you can buy it is so weird uh so when you see the american version it is just like this weird bright colorful seasons one two was like yellow and like tubes it felt like a chuck e cheese like a little bit slides here a lot of ladders when you go see the british version of funhouse and their (laughs) attempt at tags which give you great prizes like a compass Mm -hmm. uh what are small trinkets (laughs) Like, it's just small trinkets. Right. Uh, yeah, it that's why I said like it's like a legit the Discovery Zone. Like, it was a lot of foam ninja, rubber. <laughs> ninja Warrior Mediocrity. Cargo nets. Balloons. There was, like, a balloon pit. The That pool pit is was, like, it was much deeper than I think would ever, uh, in, an insurance company would ever allow on an American show. They had a zip line. They had a zip line. <laughs> my favorite was, my favorite obstacle in the British Funhouse is they have to sit in a car. They have to slide down like a slide in the car. And then that car, like that little track, almost like a roller coaster, has to hit a brick wall. <laughs> like crash a car in the fun house. Well, like like flare thing, uh, like sparkler, or like like um, like prop explosive or something goes off when it, when it hits the, the thing. Um, yeah, in, in the British version, um, the, the, the one from 1997 that we watched, the contestants had like like a head cam. One of it was shown in first person, which was really disorienting. Um, but I thought that was interesting because I remember, uh, I remember Jordan, when you were on our podcast, uh, we talked briefly about how like the Legends of the Hidden Temple um, obstacle course was like famously extremely difficult for the contestants. And it was interesting having the first person view of the contestants going through the funhouse because you really got a sense of like how confusing and disorienting it was to be in there versus how relatively straightforward it seems when you're in the audience watching it through a camera. And all you're hearing is like, you gotta go this way. You gotta go that way. And some of them were like that, like that rotating doom, like, or that rotating tube. We're not talking about the, you know, the grease. You're the one that I want. Uh, like barely rotating we're talking about like that thing is vigorously turning that's like a tumble dryer level of yeah Yeah. it was going so fast i was like oh my gosh (laughs) it's 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 kind of weird uh not only that but unlike the american version which just had like electric guitar their theme song you know is like their their version had lyrics this is one of those rare occasions where there's a game show with lyrics <clears throat> it's they, they wacky, very it's fun, songs. it's crazy, it's outrageous, fun it's house, it's a whole lot of fun, 
prizes to be won. It's a real crazy show where anything can go, but not really. Fun house. It's a quiz. It's a race. It's a real wacky place. So use your body and your brain if you want to play the game. That's the lyrics. Uh, Pat Sharp of the British version. Uh, we have to really talk about him because he's the reverse of J.D. Roth in this regard. If J.D. Roth is the skater dude bro, what up? What up, Tiny? What up, MC Mike? I'm J.D. Roth. Uh, Pat Sharp was a guy who felt like he didn't really want to be there <laughs> and had better things to do with his time. But but he delivers his lines and like a lot better than J.D. Roth does. Like J.D. Roth has a very kind of like half, haphazard style um, where it kind of feels like a lot of it is like half remembered or kind of off the cuff. The early episode of the Funhouse we saw felt very like local TV uh, kids show. If, if you think back to like some of the stuff that they would uh, produce out of like Manhattan for like local, you know, New York syndication, um, it almost had that kind of a feel to it. Whereas um, the UK host was like much more of like a polished host with like canned lines that were like rehearsed and like you could tell that they were like pre-written and like it was kind of like um for for instance here's like a, a rip off funhouse game this was a jd roth game it's like we're going to be culturally appropriating this but but following with this we have made some delicious tacos here in the funhouse cafeteria your partner has to wear these giant sombreros and they have to catch two tacos on these sombreros. And what goes great with tacos but delicious salsa? You got to walk over here and cover yourself in the salsa and you'll win the 25 points. Woo! And it's like, but when he, it's like, but not showing like that much enthusiasm other than salsa. Yeah. Meanwhile, if this was like a Pat Sharp version, it's look, there's tacos. They're going to be throwing these tacos, whiffing them into the sombreros, and then they'll just be gunking themselves with some salsa. Winner gets 25 points. Or whatever uh, the but, most, 30 seconds. Wouldn't that be fun, uh, right, audience? But the cheering section from the British show was, like, on point, and they're actually, like, chanting, like, in rhyme together something, whereas on the American show, they're just all going, like, ah! Oh, no, it gets worse. It, it gets even more embarrassing. Because it's like, uh, they're, they're chanting, go, 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 yay, whenever something happens. In the in the British version. In the American version, J.D. Roth couldn't even get the audience to say his signature catchphrase. We are going to the funhouse. <laughs> like, he would try it. He would try to get the audience to say that. We are going to the funhouse. <laughs> At no point, the audience is actually like, scream, funhouse. We are going so, to the fun house. Like none of that. <laughs> I want to interject that uh, a a uh, a third guest has just joined the podcast, which which is our our, our dog Autumn. Um, so you will probably hear some some dog noises. <laughs> no problem. This one's for the dogs. Am I right? Woof woof. Where are yeah. my dogs at in this game? Our contestants are dogs. They gotta go through the doggy door, dig into Bow the giant wow. dog food dish find the bones, and then bring it back to their home. But they can't use their hands. They gotta use their mouths. Ah. It did seem that there was like a really high incidence of use your mouth, do this. 
And I really liked the environmental aspect of the this snake has been mutated by the toxic sludge. Now it is a four-headed <laughs> snake. And you have to pass the snake eggs to your partner using your mouths. And I was just so like, uh, eat the toxic waste, <laughs> like you're telling. Yeah, there, there was a really clear like difference between like the late '80s and the early '90s um, Fox version, where like the the when, once you get to the '90s, they're like, we got to have some, you know, Ted Turner's on our ass. We got to have some environmental stuff in here. You no, know you know I was thinking it was reflecting the how popular Captain Planet was at that time because they had like the recycling part of the fun house, and then they had like the six large oh, yeah, snake. So it used to be the garbage dump. It was it was called it was called the dump and then it was called the recycler and it was just like yeah. it went from like here's a bunch of junk to like here's aluminum cans and then if you notice the prize on that in the recycle round of the funhouse and this is actually a good message it was called uh, cans to cash oh and the idea was supposed to be they pay your aluminum cans double its worth oh I I didn't catch that when we watched it. It is, and it's like one of the rare like constant prizes they had in that. In addition to that big water slide, which I thought was really cool, I thought that was the real appeal of Funhouse. Because when I first saw Funhouse, it was actually like on television, which was kind of weird because it was like post when the show ended, and all I remember was that water slide. The the thing that was cool was that that the clock didn't actually start until you were at the base of the slide. So literally, it was you were having fun upon your entrance to the. They call it Splashdown. <laughs> yeah, Splashdown. It, it's funny that you mentioned that that was the only thing you remember because um, I did not remember this show at all when you mentioned it to me until I watched the credits. And then I was like, I know these credits. I've seen these credits a thousand times. They mean that cartoons are over. And I'm pretty sure that on like our local affiliate, Funhouse was like at the end of like the Saturday morning cartoon block or maybe it was at the end of the afternoon cartoon block or something because it was it was like when soul stream would come on on saturday morning it was like yes. cartoons are over and i was like oh no the, the harbinger of no more cartoons has arrived when, when it, it used to be called the after tune show um so so there's a lot of like there's a lot of influence with this show like this show i know it's not double dare double dare became the american fascination of children's television Funhouse was kind of like, yeah, considered the knockoff in some regards, but in many ways, it was an innovator based on like who they got as the host, J.D. Roth, who went on to so many different things, to the big house and format would later be developed into the Legends of the Hidden Temple Temple. So there's a lot of innovation that came with this show that not a lot of people took credit for. And I think it's time that we actually like celebrate Funhouse as this great piece of children's television. Uh, I've... Before we get into like, fun questions so you you showed this to your daughter yeah well, well hold on before we do that i i have a devastating like radioactive level hot take to give you which is i kind of think with the, that with the exception of the hosts Funhouse may be better than double dare Ooh, that is that's a real that's gonna be like i know for british audiences they would say yeah it is because they don't really see double dare this was their double there. It was the, the basically their legends was either Jungle Run or Crystal Maze, and double their double there was Funhouse. That's their parallels. That for here it is double there and legends, or I guess in this case Funhouse as well. The, the um, reason that I say that is specifically because like 
the set on is, I mean, maybe not in the late 80s version, but in the Fox version, the Funhouse set is definitely better than the Double Dare set. And the Funhouse itself is, like, really professionally made. Like, it looks super legit. It looks like a thing that um, if I had watched Oh, yeah. More of it would have lined Micro Crag did as this, like, super memorable thing. And to my mind, it blew away almost any of the obstacles on on Double Dare. I think the thing that makes Double Dare still a better show is that Mark Summers is just so awesome. Like, he's there's just something so absolutely, like, elemental about his appeal compared to J.D. Roth, who's just kind of like a 90s guy. Like, he's not... Like he's not memorable like Mark Summers is. He doesn't have that quality. I think if you took Mark Summers and you put him on Funhouse, you would have something that that exceeded both of them. Ooh, that's that's a real synthesis. good take. Synthesis, thesis, and and uh, and uh, antithesis. Because like to me, my there's only a few knocks I have for Funhouse. Um, for me, I think the appeal for Double Dare was they do the trivia as an anticipation to that physical challenge, which is what the people want to see. They want to see that physical challenge. Whereas Funhouse, they knew you came for the, you want the physical challenge. So we're going to start you out with the, with the physical challenge. Do you want and that? And the mask? questions we'll were never enticing. Right like the questions were always easy. Like if, if I'm using a bison, what part of my body am I using? Yes. Like, so if it was me, we're not going to talk about reboots yet quite because that, that's usually right before we did the, the, the close off. If it's me, uh, I would just like get rid of the trivia questions and make that its own round rather than just, hey, you just played a game where you're monkeys. If you are a chimpanzee, where do you live? Would you live in a jungle, a desert or a Walmart? Right. But you would get interrupted before you could say options. Two and three. Yeah, and there's always a joke <laughs> option too. It's like, um, oh. But getting, like, it, that, that, like, to me, to that's the only negative this. I have is that that trivia round just like evens the playing field a little too much. That I think it needs to be like either the first round or it needs to be like part of like a catch up round before the race. But uh, yeah, I, we'll get to that. In I, just I, a bit. I think we will get to it, that. It could have been a like bit. a like a, um like a, the end, like right before the big race. They could do like three trivia questions or something so that one team had an opportunity to, to catch up or something along those lines. Correct. That's where I would go with. So, uh, you show this to your daughter. Yeah. What? So, um, to get her to watch this too, because, um, right now she's very regimented on like three or four different shows. There's, yeah. uh, Dora the Explorer. There's, there's, uh, Go Go Diego, which is the Dora the Explorer spinoff. Um, there's this Netflix show called True, and there's like one other one that kind of sneaks into the rotation sometimes. Um, so what we had to do, we said, do you want to watch, so first of all, we said, do you want to watch a show where, where, where kids have adventures? And she's like, I don't want to watch that. Um, so, then we, so then we came back and said, well, what about a show where... There's climbing uh, and running and challenges. Challenges, yeah. And then and she was like, eh. And then we said... And, Yes, and yes, I would watch that. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Did like a little jump. So, so clearly the, the prospect of kids winning prizes, even if it wasn't her, um, was appealing to her. So we put it on and she immediately said, I don't want to watch this. Not, or she said like, not, not this one, not this one. I want to watch something else. Um, and we had to like negotiate with her. But then once it was on and once the kids were on screen, 
she was absolutely like mesmerized by it. Like she, she could not look away from it. Like, like Denise said, she was like, she was playing this game on like Denise's phone and she just stopped paying attention until like the phone like turned itself off. Um, and we, we watched uh, the one episode and she immediately wanted to watch the next one. She wasn't even, she wasn't talking. She wasn't asking questions. She was just like, I need yeah, to watch this she thing. Was, I don't she know was zeroed in on it. <laughs> Uh, and then as soon as we were done watching like the second episode, she was like jumping around and she was like, she was trying to like mimic some of the things that the, that they were doing, which was perfect right before bed. Yeah, and it, <laughs> so it's weird. It's a good show for parents to bring their kids to watch. Just watch. Yeah. It's, it's funny because I, that I was sarcasm. Know how many, like, physical, physical challenge shows there are for kids right now. I, I'm, I'm sure that you're about to name like 20 of them. <laughs> All right, it shows with kids with physical challenges. Okay, <clears throat> guts, double dare. You got Legend of Him Temple. You got yourself a fun house. You have yourself uh, the the endurance, which is a teenage show, which kind of is there. Wild and crazy kids. You got uh, off the wall on Disney Channel. Something's on right now. Now, like contemporaneous to us at this moment. Oh, for for modern kids. All right, modern. Isn't American there like a children's game Ninja shows. Warrior? Double Dare got ended, but that's still technically going to keep going because uh, they have a Halloween week and a Christmas week, and then that's it. You have uh, Paradise Run on Nickelodeon. They have, I guess, Dude Perfect show, but that's not really a kid's show. It doesn't count. It doesn't count. Uh, Battle of the Ages, which is on this weird, obscure uh, Mormon channel. Uh, <laughs> you have... Uh, uh, drop that seat on the Nickelodeon YouTube channel. And other than that, not, not much. So this was this was great, um, in my opinion, to like show to her because it was a thing that I could see the wheels turning in her brain of being like, I want to go and, and jump off of stuff. And it was interesting because the the reputation that I think TV has is that it makes kids less active. Um, but I definitely think it's one of those things where, like, 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 she watched this and she started running around the room and like throwing herself on the couch, which in in the moment was not ideal. But in the big picture, like, that's that's right. great. We would much rather that she go outside and like run around than just you know like watch watch TV all day. Um, so I thought it was positive. What what I, I think we were a little more torn about was. The, the commercials aimed at kids, which is not something she's really been subjected to before. And um, you could see the wheels turning. And there was a couple commercials for like, there was a doll that there was called real build is like the doll that loves you back. And it's just like, I love you. And like, it's like, it like lights up. And I was like, Oh no, she's going to ask for that. And that's a toy from like 1988. That doesn't oh, exist. No. She's going to cry. Oh no. Oh, I was actually concerned when we were watching the British episode. The twins are beautiful blonde girls, just like our daughter, but they have a very problematic hairstyle. But I don't think she picked up on it. Oh, they, dreadlocks. They had, like, dreadlocks. Yes, they had they had blonde dreadlocks, uh, like like the vampire twins um, from the second Matrix movie. <laughs> this was the '90s, by the way. When we were talking British funhouse, this was the '90s, and yet Pat Sharp still had a mullet for some reason. <laughs> hmm. Uh, it's it's an iconic piece of television. Uh, so I I, so I think it it does deserve its praise. Uh, now we move on to the big important question: Should this show be revived? If so, how? 
Just shaking her head. Um, I'm going to say no just because I, I don't think shows should ever be revived. I, 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 I think that if there's something that works about Funhouse, like, like, who, the thing is about like, stuff like this, about kids' media especially, who remembers past kids' media? It's not kids. It's not the present audience. It's, it's adults. It's parents. Um, and you should make something that is catered to today's kids. You should have a hook that appeals to today's kids, not to their parents. Um, because while I'm sure it was great for Kayla, our daughter, to have us, like, showing her this thing that, like, we remembered from when we were kids, um, it would be better for a new thing that is for her cohort. So, like, I would say, in general, for kids' media, like, don't reboot it. Take the things that you think worked and spin it out into some new thing. I don't know. You could have, like... No physical things kids like now. You could have like a, a razor scooter and like a fit like a, a fidget spinner obstacle. Or yes, a fidget spinner obstacle, perfect for the kids. <laughs> <laughs> or you know, I was thinking that like the the funhouse premise is you know makes me think about the summer carnivals that travel around, and I think even that doesn't really exist that much anymore. I mean, maybe we see it because we're in like suburbia, but. Um, it's, and I, I was trying to, uh, correlate like laser tag to being like the alternative or like the current version of this, but even that is, doesn't seem current. I don't think laser tag is even cool anymore. Not cool anymore. What the, what? It's cool for adults. <laughs> it's cool for like dudes doing their bachelor parties and stuff. Alrighty. So I think I figured out how I would do Funhouse. Mm. Now I think you're on the right bullet points here. It's, it's. It's a, it's, we don't want to bring back Funhouse because it's a nostalgia grab. But at the same time, a lot of people in the Britain crave a Funhouse. I think if you bring it to America, they're not going to remember Funhouse at all. <laughs> like, except for maybe like a few people who grew up in the late 80s, early 90s. That to revive the show, you can have a fun format version of this. So to me, here's how I would do a Funhouse. <clears throat> In the uh, so the game works simply like this: it is played in five rounds, and now instead of points, they're playing for seconds, almost like supermarket sweep. Mm. So if they win the first game, they get thirty seconds of time. Follow me, thirty seconds, and then they go to the girls' game for thirty seconds. No trivia. Notice I said no trivia. Third game, it's also for thirty seconds, making it a full ninety seconds so far. Then you go to the big race. Now, in the big race, you can get 30 seconds for winning the race, plus a bonus 30 seconds of time in the form of five-second bonuses. That gives you a full two minutes. Then we have, in the big finale, the final minute of time, where it's 60 seconds. For every question you get, it's five seconds of time, or 10 seconds of time. My bad, 10 seconds. Whoever has the most time on their clock goes into the funhouse, and that's the time they use to collect as much as they can. The new catch is they don't go three and then tag their partner. The catch is that they're both going in at the same time, and there are uh, some obstacles where they have to cooperate to win the tag. Ooh. And because it's I a like modern funhouse with go-karts, none of this weird push-cart stuff go-karts and because we're going in the fun house that means we're going to see like you said laser tags or a laser maze or we're going to see like a seesaw or we're going to see different obstacles that revolve around like going into different rooms of a house that is literally or skills, a fun house. really so when you're in the garage the garage is kind of like a 
look in in the car or look in like the look into the tool shed or some sort of like creative industrial like build something task and if you can build that then you win modern prizes so there's your iMac computer that's your television that's your VR package that's your your clothing that's your concert tickets and the same prizes that they offered back in the 80s could still kind of be relevant today for today's kids. A year of streaming Netflix. Correct. And I think ideally it would have to be a streaming service like a Netflix. I don't think a kid's like network would really pick this up. I don't think a syndicator would want this for kids because there's not a lot. Of, there's no Saturday morning cartoon blocks anymore. That It would have to be like a Netflix or a Hulu. Well, that was something um, but, that we talked about was the, the idea of Saturday morning cartoons just isn't applicable because we are in an on-demand world. But if you can do that, like every Friday is a new episode or, and I, I think the appeal should be a Friday night, like Friday afternoon, like right when the kids get off from school on a Friday is when <laughs> they should have like a new episode. Cause I think that's ideally when you can pick up the kids at the most, I wouldn't say vulnerable, but at the most exciting time. <laughs> yeah, school's down. I finished all my tests. Deep breath. Yay. Time to watch Funhouse. And then you're seeing like a bicycle be one. Or you're seeing like uh, a skateboard package. And then the power prize is, of course, like modern power prizes that would be cool experiences to have. So, yes, you still have your Disney World. But maybe you'll go to Tokyo Disney Sea instead. Maybe you can go to um, Paris. Paris. You can go to different like different obstacles. Like the last the last cool thing I saw was when Double Dare gave away Dave and Buster's gift certificates. Like that's that should not be the case. It should be like you bring the Dave and Buster's there. You should get it so people like want to see the fun house fun house and all those tubes and slides and all that, and then think back to the days of like Discovery Zone. But because you can get up to like three minutes of time in that fun house. And ideally, it'll probably be more like 90 seconds instead of two minutes. That means that now this, the time and the points mean something. That even if mm-hmm. it's almost like a throwaway, like, you know, the gold team's going to win or the red team's going to win, that it's still like, okay, well, how much time are they going to build? We can still see these games or the trivia rounds be played. And, and I have some that- kind of like mean culture thing too, or like bring in streamers or soundcloud rappers or something that yeah. something that get, like get a soundcloud rapper to be the new uh the new uh D- mc mike <laughs> whoever the new xxs tentacion is uh get them as, as the host oh, i can't believe we were able <laughs> no it's gonna be <laughs> we got little nas x country legend superstar <laughs> little nas to be <laughs> the announcer and it's going to be hosted by one of the uh, the impractical jokers, knowing the way the direction of television's going. You have to ride your horse down the ramp, the old town road. Oh, I was going to say it has to be one of the the descendants from the the Disney. Oh yeah, Disney descendants to host <laughs> it. Um, and I think the idea is supposed to be that if you can make it, so it. And also the other thing is, I would make sure it is. Uh, it's not boy girl teams. I think it should be like. Teams who have already known each other, like brother, sister, yeah, or best friends, or fam, like some something like that, because that way there's yeah, no cooperation. At least non non gendered. Yeah, non gendered. So so it's like you have the one game head to head, the other game head to head, and then the two team game head to head, a grand prix race with go karts, and then the finale is a sixty second trivia game where it's like yes, 
even if you went through all of these obstacles, the trivia can still catch up for you because it's like 10 seconds of time. So like winning one game and then getting one question right is not necessarily going to make or break you. But getting that one game and then the opponent getting three correct answers in 60 seconds over you, well, that can because do get 30 seconds. And it becomes like this great countdown. And of course, that means that then when you get to the, we're going to the fun house, you have this grandiose introduction to the fun house, which is like the best part of the show. When they ever do that transition, they show the audience, the audience is gathering onto the floor of the studio. It becomes this like big celebration. And I think that's the thing that needs to be uh, brought back in a lot of these game shows. Also, more fireworks. I think that we need more fireworks to scare dogs. Uh, we need to make sure there is uh, pyro, confetti, uh, a weird clowns juggling while on unicycles, which is blo- below the budget this way. Uh, <laughs> well, kids today will not be satisfied with being bad. I'm trying, okay? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're near the end. The five, We have a speed round. So, so the fun part is typically when it comes to this game, Curtin, uh, is that typically it's one person in 60 seconds on the clock to answer five questions. But because you're both here, you can confer to one another. You can have two answers if you want. It doesn't matter. Okay. You have 60 seconds to answer five questions. For every correct answer that you get, it's one free plug. Most podcasts usually offer two. This is five. You ready? Ready. Absolutely. All right. Dim the lights. 60 seconds on the clock. Tiny or Boogaloo Shrimp? Boogaloo Shrimp. Gotta be, gotta be Boogaloo Shrimp, yeah. Name something parents just don't understand. Candy. Candy, yeah, definitely. What's one way to make your house a fun house? Dogs. Uh, pillow for it. Discovery Zone or Chuck E. Cheese? Chuck E. Cheese. Where is the secret power prize? In the sludge. All right. That's five. You did it. Did it. Five yes. slugs. We did it. You nailed it. Five. Los Asimos. She across the table to high five. Boom. Okay, we got it. Right. There we go. Uh, we, 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 we may have to have a conversation later about Chuck E. Cheese versus Discovery Zone, but but I'm pleased. I, I, I'm pleased with our victory. I mean, I'm just going to say, like, between the two, I had more. I had more Chuck E. Cheese's than Discovery Zones. So, I'm from the South. I don't think, I don't. I've never went to a Discovery Zone. I just remember so, that theme song, that commercial. You know, I'm going dizzy at Discovery Zone, where I can let loose and be on my own. Oh, I think I did see that commercial. So I just, I have to say one thing about Discovery Zone before before we end and before we get to our plugs which is that in at least in our area there was a knockoff discovery zone originally called fun zone and then they got sued by discovery zone i believe and had to change their name to fun in motion so that's that's that <laughs> so fun zone is this game show hosted by jay roth uh <laughs> <laughs> so where's your five plugs today all right uh, plug number one is uh, you should check out Parents Just Don't Understand. Uh, it is a podcast about children's media, parenting, and the nature of childhood. Uh, we talk about all forms of children's media, past and present. Uh, we've talked a little bit about books, TV. 
We're about to have an episode come out on uh, video games. We just did this uh, great episode on uh, kids' game shows with this really interesting guy uh, named Jordan Haas that you may have heard of. So if you're listening to this, you should check that out. Uh, that's plug number one. Plug number two, uh, there's an organization uh, in the Philly suburbs called Bucks County Mutual Aid that both Denise and I have the privilege to be involved in. Uh, and it provides food, toiletries, and other not, uh, essential items to people experiencing homelessness and food insecurity. It's modeled on food, not bombs. So it's non-hierarchical, open and free to all. And it's funded and run entirely by volunteers. So if you're a Philly person uh, in the land of Mark Summers, in the land of the rising Mark Summers, um, then uh, you should come and check it out and uh, get involved. Uh, um, our third plug, uh, do, you, do, you, do you want to do the library. the library? The library, it's a cool place. There's books there. They also have uh, different types of media. Some of them even rent out theme park passes, as it turns out. Uh, the library is awesome. Go to your local library. And use it, don't lose it. Uh, next plug, uh, Halloween. Uh, there's this little, yeah, it's, it's this little ho holiday that you might have heard of. It's, it's Halloween? Halloween, yeah, it uh, must be Irish or something. All Halloween. Um, it's uh, kind of important to us, kind of important to parents and kids. You know, people dress up in these costumes, they're called, costumes. Um, and then they go uh, door to door and they, they ask for, for treats or tricks. Um, um, you know, treats preferable. Um, uh, usually you can check it out and get involved in your yes, community. We, yes, we, we view we, the month of September as the, the introductory to this Halloween season. Um, and, uh, and our daughter loves telling people that we live in the spooky house. That's right. Uh, last plug, um, Denise, do you, do you have anything? Dogs. I'll plug dogs. Uh, they're a, uh, they're a, a quadruped, um, was, uh, domesticated by, uh, Whoa. mankind, uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, hundreds of thousands of years ago. Um, some would say mankind's best friend, um, say mankind's worst enemy. Um, I, I lean towards the former. Um, there's one here with me now. Um, and uh, check out dogs. Dogs are great. Five stars. There you have For it. For library, Halloween, and dogs. Library, Halloween, and dogs. <laughs> I, I like how you put the podcast in mutual aid right above. <laughs> <laughs> so, Gert and Denise, thank you so much for stopping by and making uh, my house. A fun house. Thank you so much for having us on. Um, our our dog is now trying to uh, wage war against our other pets. Uh, so uh, it's been a delight being on. And thanks for coming on, on our podcast, too. All right. Cheers. Thank you so much to Denise and Kurt for stopping by. I love Parents Just Don't Understand, one of my favorite new media podcasts out there. So if you're a parent, please check them out. Lots of fun over there. Uh, before we continue on, Fun House was such an iconic show in 1991. They made their own NES video game. There was nothing like the show at all. There was no trivia, no stunts. It was just being on roller skates. A lot of people kind of forget that that was actually based on this game show. The only thing that was kind of similar to Funhouse is that J.D. Roth is kind of in it as the supporter saying, yeah, way to go. Let's get messy because of this show, which is interesting. Thank you, High Tech Expressions and Real Time Associates Incorporated for this weird game that existed. And yes, there was a Jane Fonda workout tape, which I believe you can actually find on YouTube if you look hard enough. 
which is kind of saying something now I think about it. Also, their board game as well. This really was one of the more iconic shows. Uh, essentially, the score system would eventually be used for Shop Till You Drop, which is another Stone production. Because after Funhouse kind of ended, they tried their reboot with College Madhouse with Greg Kinnear. Yes, Greg Kinnear. And it was college students playing against each other with the idea being that the Funhouse run is now kind of like grab as many taxes as you can. And if you can grab it all, you win. And also they were trying to be more risque. So a lot more semen jokes and pee pee jokes and poop poop. Uh, Yay. Uh, it was not that fun, but instead of a power prize, there was no power prize. Uh, it was just at the clean house. They, they get a vacation. That's it. Anyway, it's time for the 110 part series. Looking at every pricing game on the price is right. This is the pricing game spotlight. Pick a pair. Premiere date, Bob Barker, uh, April 12th, 1982, 4481D. Finale date with Bob Barker, June 8th, 2007, 4025K. Premiere date with Drew Carey, October 19th, 2007, aired of order November 20th, 2007. It's called Pick a Pair because the contestant must do that. Pick a pair of products that... Uh, that's it. The pair of products that the contestant was trying to pick must sell for the exact same price to win. The contestant has shown six grocery items with their prices concealed. The six consist of three pairs of items which share the same price. The contestant must select two items which have the same price to win a prize. If they're cor- incorrect, they are given one final chance by choosing one of the remaining two products as their first selection and then finding the matching priced item. If the prices of the two items do not match twice, the game is over. Unlike take two, the contestant cannot give back both original selections, they have to keep one of those originals. The first pick a pair set used from April 12th, 1982 to October 10th, 1988 was taken out of rotation. It had grocery items sitting on a miniature Ferris wheel. Oh man, I love that Ferris wheel. Set to carnival music. Only half the items are visible at a time with the others rotated behind the game board. Background music was added during the beginning of the game from 1985. The game board changed its colors from yellow to blue in November that same year. On September 14th, 1990, Game Returned with its current set was debuted and renamed Pick a Pair. The game was not played for nearly two years between the last appearance of the Ferris Wheel and the first appearance of this current set until the beginning of the Season 20. Current set's blue stripes were red and had more lights on it. December 18th, 2012, blue stripes got white stripes. On October 12, 1984, contestant Albert Palalik unsuccessfully picked two items that did not match. $1855 for the chili, $119 for the garlic bread. Bob told Albert the items sold for $150 were the raisins as he attempted to gain a explain about the props, but then he realized the game was not about over was not over and Albert had another chance. The goof led to Albert picking the raisins and then Bob told everyone about the cards hanging out so he could see the price. And Albert won a $3,605 trip to Japan. A 40th season episode in 2012, in honor of Twins Day, Pick a Pair was played for not one but two Cyan IQs worth $32,410 and was won. Big Money Week, Pick a Pair was played for $20,000 but was lost on October 28th, 2016. During Youth Week, 
in season 46, March 23rd, 2018. Pick a beer was played for $10,000 and was won. The most number of times this game is played on any season is 23. To make this game work, three grocery items are chosen backstage. Next, they must find three more grocery items that match their actual prices. For example, if a grocery item costs $125, a second must also be $1.25. And that's what I like about Pick a Pair. It's this idea of it's a nice puzzle where things have matching prices, and sometimes it's fun to observe that. I think the full name should be called the Pick a Pair Arcade. I do not. I think it needs to have a little bit of a reboot. I think some sort of like more color scheme than just blue. But for what it's worth, I do enjoy the way it looks right now. And uh, it, it's a fun show. Nice, fine little game. That, that's about it. Like, there's three items and then match three other items. You only have to pick one pair to win. It's the Pick a Pair Arcade. Uh, it's grocery items. Nice grocery item game. For any prize that they want, the drama is in the reveal of a prize. Very simple, very quick. Uh, th- th- that's about it. I, I like it. Um, what else is there to say? Next week on the Pricing Game Spotlight, we're taking a look at Plinko? We're at Plinko! We're at Plinko, folks! Yes! So this just broke a few days after the last episode, and I feel like it's a great way to end the show. There's something called DCUUnscripted.com. That's DCUUnscripted.com, and essentially it's a contest. DC Universe is teaming up with Ideas United to offer fans a chance to pitch their original non-narrative unscripted ideas with one of them ultimately becoming an original streaming series. Uh, so that means that you can see food reviews, maybe a opinion roundtable discussion show, or maybe even a game show. So that's why it's kind of on here quickly is you can pitch a game show to DC universe and there's a chance they can pick it up. Uh, you get $5,000 if you win, which is actually kind of cheap, but you also get credit, which I guess is also important. Uh, so that that's kind of something interesting is that they're kind of the DC streaming service, which I thought would be flopped anytime soon because of how rushed their productions are and how much of their shows are more infomercials than really shows are trying to get you, the viewer, to create a reality show or a game show or a, I guess a late night talk show uh, that is uh, to fit the DC brand and they're not really paying you as much as what is typical in in the uh, world of television, uh, which goes to show you that this is kind of weird. I don't really know the full mechanics of this, but it, they could very well own the rights to your show if you submit it. So please pay attention to the rights and read the contract notification if you decide to join this. Uh, also, I just want to remind people this is unscripted shows. Please stop doing the bit where you want like a Superboy show or uh, your your Nightwing fan fiction. Trust me, I, I would try. But if you have an idea like um, America's Next Top Batman or some sort of like game show where you're trying to find the next artist or writer for DC Comics and it's a comic book art competition, maybe that should be what you lean towards instead of whatever it is you're thinking. 
Uh, remember, though, if you're going to go for a game show or reality show, I should point give you some quick pointers. Remember, focus on aspiration. Uh, make this either a dream job or something that people want to do or experience. Uh, don't necessarily make this a dick measurement contest uh, because, as it turns out, those don't really do so well in the world of game shows. Uh, if you're going to do a talk show... Maybe pitch some of your favorite talk shows and what you kind of are looking for. Maybe you want a kind of funny Greg Miller show. Who knows? Uh, but uh, I hope that you guys uh, check it out or not in protest because of uh, how uh, s- simplistic it sounds. And by simplistic, I mean somewhat shady. But I submitted a packet. I submitted uh, my own game show. I don't expect to win considering stuff I posted on social media that's a little bit not so much friendly in the DC Universe platform, but uh, I still encourage it, and I thank you uh, so much for for the kind words. And maybe I'll do, who knows? Who knows? What if I do win and this becomes a weird reality where I make a game show for the DC Comics people? That'd be interesting. That would be a weird reality I would live in. Uh, and that would probably be proof that the simulation is real. Uh, <laughs> but I wanted to end this note on a real note, like an actual fun note. The earlier part, yeah, it's a bit, it's fun, it's comical, and I still like all those people there. But here, this is a real thing as well. And hey, I, I suggest maybe looking into it, dcuunscripted.com. We're running low on time, though, folks, so I'm sorry. We have to say goodbye. Uh, Join us next time uh, for another great game show, I suppose. And until next time, check me on Twitter at Jordha, J-R-D-H-A. Listen to the podcast over at jordanhaas.com slash podcast. You can find us over on Google Play. You can find us over on Spotify as well or even on the Apple uh, Podcast Network. Give us a rating. Let us know what one of your favorite game shows is so we can look into talking about it on a future episode. Until next time, have a big smooch! Mwah!